guys, and welcome to another edition of LGBT In The Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and uh, we have a fun week in store for you today, kicking off here on Thursday. Obviously, uh, Listeners of the show know we ended up having to skip a couple of weeks in the last month or so due to uh, mental health issues as well as some technical issues here and there. Um, And we're making up for it a little bit here, kicking off year number four, I guess, of this show. Um, It's still bewildering to me, but yeah, last, last week was the the three-year anniversary show. Um, but yeah, we're kicking it off with a double dose uh, this week, Thursday and Friday. We're going to be dropping new shows starting today here, obviously, uh, as we welcome back Coda Holiday to the show. Uh, it's been a a big, interesting year for Coda. Obviously, we, we talked to her earlier this year, uh, uh, right before uh, NLS is for Everyone happened up in Chicago. That show went off uh, without a hitch uh, from at least the fan perspective, <laughs> so to say. Um, Kota faced off with Ziggy Heim. Of course, Kota went on to be part of Russell Queerdom as well. And uh, we got Kota back here to talk about all things from both of those events, um, as well as you know their off-and-on relationship with pro wrestling over the course of the year, but also we got the chance to talk a little bit about some non-wrestling sports stuff. Uh, You know, Coda has expressed a desire to go into women's sports journalism, and we spent a good chunk of this interview kind of talking about, about that journey for her, as well as, you know, just talking about our own uh, sports loves as well as our sports pains. <laughs> R.I.P. Atlanta Thrashers. Um, yeah, but it, it was a really awesome interview. I can't wait to share with all of you. But we do have to talk about some uh, some other stuff here before we get into the show because we are coming up on a big weekend of, of pro wrestling for the LGBTQ community. Obviously, last week's show with Heather Owens talked all about the Power Pride pro wrestling event going on in Cincinnati on Friday. Um, that's going to be awesome, but we also have a, a pro, uh, pro wrestling vibe, a primetime vibes event. The return to DC Brow coming up on Sunday. Without a Cause is running their uh, four-year anniversary show, year four, on Sunday as well. Um, not to mention on Saturday here in my neck of the woods in Portland, um, DOA Pro Wrestling is going to be streaming their first live show on IWTV. Uh, and it, it is headlined by a very queer and very violent uh, tag team match with the Wasteland War Party, Maxi Impaler, and Heidi Howitzer taking on Funny Bone and Drexel, most violent. Um, yeah, I, to say I am excited for DOA getting the chance to go live on IWTV for the first time is an understatement, and to have that match be the headliner is awesome to see. Also, we just had you know an announcement for the, the one-year anniversary of Pride Style coming up on December 10th. Uh, just a whole lot of interesting news and a lot of fun stuff happening. You know, I am so excited for, for what this weekend has in store. I'm excited for what the rest of the year has in store. Um, 
because I'm in the thick of QWI work and I'm still paying attention to stuff that is happening there. So who knows? Maybe some stuff that happens over the course of November could influence some decisions there. We'll see. Um, sticking on QWI though real quick, cannot thank all of you enough for the response so far to the QWI 2022 uh, awards ballot, nomination ballot that has been put out. Um, you know, it's only been live for a few days at this point, but already so many submissions, so many awesome submissions. Um, I cannot wait to sit down with those whenever the, the nomination period ends on November 17th and, and see who uh, kind of shakes out there as our nominations for the awards this year. Uh, if you haven't yet, make sure to go to my Twitter account at WonderboyOTM or the show's Twitter account at LGBTRingPod. Uh, the pinned tweet on both of those accounts is a link to the nomination ballot, so make sure you go in there, you click, and you vote for your favorites in all of the categories, spanning pro wrestling, or spanning pro wrestlers to promotions, to matches, events, um, journalists, podcasters, online content creators, announcers, ring announcers, um, managers, every any, any facet of pro wrestling that you can have, the referees, any facet of it. Uh, we are celebrating our community in all of pro wrestling in that way so make sure you go there and put in your nominations because those the the nominations on that ballot factor into who makes the final ballot that all of you will vote for uh starting later this month heading into december uh, so yeah i am very very <laughs> Very, very excited to see uh, more people respond to that, and I cannot thank all of y'all enough for the response so far in just the first couple of days, so keep them coming, for sure. Uh, for now, though, let's uh, get into my uh, conversation here with Coda Holiday. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who is returning to the show. Uh, we talked to her back in March of this year, right ahead of her pro wrestling promotion debut with NLS is for Everyone, but we welcome her back this time around, Coda Holiday. How are you doing? Hello. Hi, friends. It's been a minute. Uh, two times in one year, though. You must have really liked me last time. Hey, it, that's an exclusive club. So, like, you're you're there right beside, like, Billy Dixon, AC Mack, Effie. Like, those 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 names. What a, <laughs> what a wonderful crew that I do not deserve to be a part of. But, yeah, I'm really happy <laughs> to be back. <laughs> Fuck it. You're there, all right? You have to accept it now. No, it's really well, great to have you back on, though. Like, I, I've been really excited by seeing some of your work in the ring. Obviously, we'll definitely get into it, but NLS is for everyone. Seemed like a, a amazing time there, especially for you getting your, your wish to die at the hands of Ziggy Heim. Um, yep, I got to die at Ziggy Heim's hands. That was yes. fun. But before we get there uh, and talk about that event a little bit more in detail, what what's been going on for you? Like, I know you've I've seen you posting stuff online. Uh, like, I've seen your Instagram uh, uh, bio. Now you have aspiring journalist, and that always perks my ears up a little bit. Um, yeah, here, yeah. So, what, what's been going on? You're branching out of wrestling a little bit. Just a, just a little bit, just a little bit. So, uh, you know, I've been very open about my transition. My transition has been really hard. My transition has been really difficult physically. So I have been finding limits to my body. And that sucks because 
I'm I'm been on the level of like Kid Bandit of speed running, but I sped run my wrestling career pretty decently. I start I had a wrestling show not even a year in. I got to wrestle some really cool names. I've wrestled all over the country. I have more really insane dates this year even. But one of the problems was like I just wasn't I don't have the strength I used to, and I've been working around that uh, a lot lately. But it just I don't know it didn't feel right. And this summer, this summer I took a lot of time off because I was going through some stuff mentally, going through some stuff personally, going through some stuff familial wise. And on top of that, my transition was just not destroying my body because it's making my body beautiful and what I want it to be, but what I come to know as Coda Holiday wasn't able to still be that. And on top of that, I'm a bigger girl than most girls. So the one thing that I was able to use to my advantage, my strength was gone. Now, thankfully it's gotten back and through training, through gym training and through training with my friends in the actual ring, I am able to still wrestle pretty much the same level that I used to, maybe in a different way. But one of the things that really kind of hit me in the weird, midsummer depression season was what if this goes away what if this stops being a thing like i know i have so much to give to wrestling i know that i'm going to be a great wrestler hell i think i could be a really great commentator if given the chance which no one really has given me the chance to do that oh but we'll, I we'll talk about you on commentary don't worry okay cool, 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 I'm, cool. I'm with you on that but if no one wants to give me opportunities there's going to become a time and not anytime soon, not not anytime soon, but two years, three years, four years when begging and fighting and clawing for opportunities doesn't suit me anymore. When I become 30 years old and I have to decide, okay, maybe I gave it my best shot and this wasn't it. Hopefully that'll never happen. Um, the first year of my career, I fought for every single opportunity. The last year of my career, I fought for every single opportunity. I'm almost, I'm not even two years in yet, like full two years in. And I've been fighting for every single opportunity, but one day that's not going to be viable. And I don't want to be a 60 year old never was that kind of is still clinging on for any shred of local bookings because I love the business that will never be me. So I've been trying to not branch out, but like just kind of have a backup plan, have a fall through plan. And journalism is something I've wanted to do since I was a kid. I was a music journalist for a short period of time. Um, and so I've been kind of branching into sports journalism, um, nothing like significant, nothing stand out, but ho hopefully my, my dream is to be able to be a women's MMA journalist for a website or two, maybe branch into some women's hockey, women's sports, anything women's uh, sports related is kind of my goal, my end all be all goal. Mm. No, I'm, and I can I always say that we we need more journalists that are covering covering women's sports specifically. You know, we don't we don't have enough honestly and and the ones that we do do a great job but especially as the the purview of women's sports are is continuing to rise, you know, the WNBA numbers look the best that they have right now. I think they have so much more more fan support than they've enjoyed. Uh, in in its uh, decades of, of history, not to mention the fact that the NWSL is having their championship Amazing. game broadcast in prime time for the first time ever this year. 
like we're seeing these these mark i don't want to say markets i hate using like business terms in that way but it works here we're seeing these sports and these markets grow to the point that they deserve more coverage and people that are dedicated to that coverage in the same way that we've seen with other sports so i really like hearing that goal from you like, yeah. was there was there oh. anything specific when it came to like women's sport that drew you to women's sports over like other sports or like what what was it for women's sports that that drew you to wanting to cover it oh i've been a women's sports fan in particular for a while i love uh i love nwsl um i'm not a big basketball fan so i don't really follow N- uh women nw the wnba words are hard too closely but um i've been a chicago red stars fan for a minute since, since i moved to chicago really but i didn't really get to talk about it because that wasn't my brand that wasn't the thing i talked about or really did and i try to keep my twitter you know i, I don't know i don't portray a character on twitter because it's all my real thoughts but like i don't know i didn't really didn't talk about it i don't really live tweet that many sports honestly um but I think the real thing that really brought me into wanting to do women's sports is something I don't even want to cover, but women's hockey uh, is criminally underrated. They don't even have like a league because right now the players uh, are trying to fight for the rights. Like there is the, um, there is a league, a women's hockey league, I believe the WHL that has like six, maybe five teams. Uh, but then the, the Women's Hockey Player Association is doing their own thing, doing their own tour that's sponsored by Secret and like like the deodorant company. So they're getting big name sponsors, but no one is really giving them attention. I, I don't want to say like that because any views, any numbers are good numbers, right? I'm not here to judge people about numbers or views, but from listening to the women, from listening to people who are high up in the national women's hockey uh, player association they want more they need more and one of the things that really brought me to women's sports in general is women's sports needs more attention needs more eyes it needs more they have the ability they have the talent they have everything they need but it needs more and that kind of melded with my love of mma i'm a really big mma fan and when i first wanted to be a journalist i thought maybe i could just do mma just mma in general but the, the niche I am attacking right now is women's MMA because women's MMA needs more attention. There, you can have the argument, whatever you want, about the, uh, the MMA being a, the morality of MMA, whatever the hell that means, right? But MMA is a sport. MMA is one of the most popular sports right now. Uh, and I think the women's MMA athletes deserve the attention that some of the men do. And that half of that is on the promotions, half of that's on USC, um, but it's also on uh, journalists actually getting around. There's not many people that report on local MMA events. There's not many people that report on local women's MMA events. Um, so I hope to be the change I want to see, as crazy and cliche that that is. <laughs> yeah, like I will tell you one thing working in, in journalism, like you run up against cliches a lot and sometimes you just have to let them let them slip through. So totally fine there. Um but but no, you're right. And I I'm curious to focus a little bit on women's MMA because I feel yeah. like you know, as someone my, myself who does cover MMA from time to time whenever it intersects with what we do at Outsports there, um and as well as being just an, an avid fan um despite the the issues there 
with MMA. Pay your fighters, UFC. Please. Um, it really feels like in terms of like mainstream audiences for MMA, the only time that you really see women um on the like the tongue of those fans per se um is whenever you have like a um oh god why is her name running out of my brain right now lioness what i cannot oh, remember her name. Yes. thank yes. you thank you thank yep. you so much i'm sitting here setting up like i know what i'm doing um <laughs> but, but usually <laughs> usually whenever you have um mainstream fans talking about women's MMA, it's usually involving Amanda Nunes. It's usually involving Rosama Yunus. Um, you know, there are some some names there that kind of penetrate the the zeitgeist, so to speak, for the mainstream MMA fan. But for the most part, unless you're like super keen into um the different divisions and the different um companies that are running, you don't really see much fanfare outside of those two names right now. Um, but at the same time, those divisions are deep and stacked with awesome fighters like Jessica Andrade. Um, not to mention the fact that you have all, like you mentioned before, you have all women MMA shows, you have all women MMA promotions like Invictus that are, you know, that, that just kill it with, wow, with the talent that's that. there. And like I think that's the main problem, right? Is and a lot of this isn't on journalism, right? Because you can only do so much. You don't, you know. But one of the biggest things I started looking into when I first wanted to be a journalist was I wanted to do a piece, and I still haven't finished it yet, but I will one day. On is heavier weight divisions in women's MMA viable? The answer is yes, but the answer is not now. And that's not the women's fault. It's the fault, the fact that the bigger promotions haven't cared. And when they tried to care, they, the, the talent they had wasn't ready yet. It's like women's boxing, right? The heavyweight divisions took longer to develop because fighting in any, even though boxing has been around for many, many years, fighting has not been a okay thing to want to aspire to be. And the fact that there is more men than there is women alive for whatever reason, means that more men become MMA. And the fact that fighting is seen to be more socially acceptable amongst men means that more men than women grow up to aspire to be uh, fighters. And the fact that we have a patriarchy issue means that even if women aspire to be fighters, sometimes they're not allowed to be because that's not what women do, air quotes, whatever the hell that means. But at the end of the day, there are women who could weigh up to 145 pounds, do have the athletic ability to do so, would want to do so, but they're not being nurtured. And that's why you have people who are 32, 33, 34, just having their first MMA fight. And that's not just fly a featherweight, that's every division. Uh, Invicta, they're having a really big event coming up. And one of their fighters is undefeated, 3-0. and but she started when she was in her 30s. And now it's getting to a point where like, okay, if you want to get to the higher weight divisions, or higher weight, or sorry, the higher promotions, you're kind of running against the clock because we all have a, I, I mean, you can argue whether or not some people uh, age better than others, but like we, there are, there's always a wall. Not everyone can be Glover Teixeira and be 47 and win a UFC title, right? Not everyone can be that. Not everyone can be Amanda Nunes dominating two whole weight divisions in her mid-30s. Not everyone can be that. The problem is we're not focusing on these women for whatever reason when they're young. And so 
it's why you see that like I don't know. Women's MMA is a sore subject to me because there are some really great representatives of LGBTQ in women's MMA. Molly McCann is probably the biggest one. But she did that her fucking self. Like, she was so annoying to some people. I find her lovely. But she was so uniquely herself, so outspoken, that people had to get around her. But even then, she couldn't get the recognition that she deserved until, one, Patty got popular. I think Molly McCann's a better fighter than Patty Pimblett, but Patty Pimblett got more more uh, notoriety because what? Because he's a male in the lightweight division? Like, maybe not. Maybe I'm connecting straws that don't need to be connected there. I'm sure that they, like, I, I know they're best friends, so I don't think they are fighting amongst themselves there. But if it smells like a rose, it's probably a rose. And also, she didn't get any notoriety until bar stools came behind her. And then everyone won't stop talking about her. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how you get more respect on these women's name, but there needs to be an answer. I just don't know what it is personally. Yeah, I mean, it really, in, in a lot of ways, it feels like, um, to take it back to pro wrestling a little bit, a lot of what we've seen over the last like, 15, 20 years in terms of development of women's pro wrestling as well, and, and especially having the people that you can see and connect with become the role models for the, the next generation that we've seen kind of come up in the last 10 years beyond like that watched the the divas back in the 90s and 2000s yeah. and now we and they've grown and realized that not only can they be that but they can also be serious pro wrestlers and i think you you do get some of that from what we're seeing right now um in terms of what well, in terms of women's mma um and especially when you since you brought it up lgbtq representation like yes molly mccann is outstanding for that I, I and I love her outspokenness. I wish Amanda Nunes was a bit more outspoken yeah. about that at times, but you know th that's a personal choice for for everyone to make. Amanda Nunes has maybe she has too much time dominating two weight classes to to, the, to do that. One of the, but the greatest woman fighter of all time, I would argue the greatest fighter of all time at this point, but definitely the greatest women's fighter of all time. Um, I have strong opinions when it comes to male MMA. Um, <laughs> I think I would agree there, but I have my favorites. Mm -hmm. I think some people have been uh, down. Like, I don't know. Amanda Nunes wasn't a killer until she was, right? When she was coming up, everyone thought she was going to be great, but no one thought she was going to be that fighter. Uh, she was supposed to be the rebound fight for Ronda. No one thought, like... I'm sure people did think, but the general consensus was Ronda was going to come back and just destroy her. And then she didn't. And yeah. then she got destroyed by Amanda Nunes. And then no one had looked back. The consensus was Chris Cyborg was supposed to beat Amanda Nunes. Like, that was supposed to happen. So I, I don't know. I think Amanda Nunes is a lot like Charles Oliveira. I think Charles Oliveira is probably my favorite male fighter. And although he did just lose to Islam Makachev, um, I think that on any given day, is uh, Charles can beat any given fighter. And honestly, if I had to put a pound for pound top in my mind, it would be Charles Oliveira, just because of how unique of a fighter. I love Tony Ferguson, maybe not as a person, but as a fighter uh, for a long, long time. And Charles Oliveira took that place because he did what Tony does, but better. Um, but that is not what we're here to talk about. I don't know why I'd give you that. Tip, but there you go. <laughs> 
it's totally fine. Like I don't. I that's the thing. It's like you can have these discussions with people, and there's really no wrong answer. Like I can't yeah. disagree with that. Charles Oliveira is outstanding. Great fighter. You know? Yeah, you know, for the longest time, I think Anderson Silva occupied that space in my brain. But obviously, yeah. that. Hey, but if, the thing with Anderson, right, is that you could argue that GSP would be Anderson Silva. Potentially, that didn't happen. You yeah. could argue that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. There's all kinds of fantasy matchups you can make in your brain. But these MMA is just wrestling, but with reality. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Have you seen the old pride stuff? They've gone pretty far. Oh, no, no. I'm saying like sometimes in terms of reality. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Good point. But no, Good yes, point. very, very much. MMA has understood the the notes, so to speak, over the last like 20 to 30 years and has definitely markedly shifted in, in that direction. Um, and, and it's interesting to watch. It's interesting to see the dichotomy there. Um, I do want to ask you specifically about a couple of fighters though and and where they sit in your mind because obviously being such a fan of women's mma and and wanting and having aspirations to cover it in in the way that you want to do as well as your own lived experience you know as a a trans woman um obviously fallon fox and alana mclaughlin um are heroic figures in terms Mm -hmm. of trans representation in MMA, women's MMA, however you want to qualify it. Um, how have those two kind of impacted your view, if, if in any way, for of women's MMA or MMA as a whole, honestly? It's tough. Because when you talk, I never want... For, first things first, I want to say that Fallon Fox and Atlanta McLaughlin are two trailblazers and two... His, historic figures for women MMA. That being said, it's tough because as a trans woman who is currently transitioning and is constantly measuring my hormones and measuring every single lap that I can, my lived experience says that my muscle mass and my body and my hormones are pretty similar to a cis woman. Not exact, not complete. I'm not done with my transition. I'm only a year in. I have so much farther to go. But sometimes it's not about what is reality. It's about what the perception is and what the perceived reality is. And it's tough because while Fallon Fox and Atlanta, and uh, Atlanta Coffin, am I saying her name right? I believe so, yes. Alana, yeah, yeah, Alana. They while while they are, they deserve to be whatever the hell they want to be. It's tough because as a LGBTQ worthwhile reporter, as an MMA fan, as a fake athlete myself, right? You have to reckon with the fact that they will never be accepted. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but they will never be accepted. And I think in a lot of sports, a lot of sports, you will see trans athletes succeed. Um, You are currently seeing it in the NWSL. There's two trans uh, athletes, one non-binary, one trans masculine in the NWSL. I truly believe that with enough time and with enough advocacy and with enough just banging our head against a wall, 
we will get somewhere with trans people in sports. We will be respected. We will be understood a bit better. I just don't know if that will ever happen in MMA. I'm not saying it shouldn't. I'm not saying that Fallon Fox should not be able to fight. I'm not saying uh, Alana should not be able to fight. I mean, Fallon, look, the, if the main argument you have about women fighting in MMA is that they're going to win. Fallon Fox didn't win all of her fights. Fallon Fox lost her fights. That's the biggest straw man argument in women's sports. Oh, they're just coming over because they can't do it in the men's version, so they're just going to want to be all our women in any sport when half the time they don't. That's no disrespect to the athletes. It's just not everyone can be the number one athlete. It's just, it's not true. It's not It's the nature thing. of competition. Yeah, you're going to lose, and that's okay, but you're also going to win, and that's okay too. And it should be okay, but it isn't currently. And when you are fighting against this deep-seated transphobia, a transphobia that honestly is acceptable in modern culture, uh, not to draw correlations because any kind of hate is bad, right? Any kind of hate is bad. But Kanye West is currently being crucified for being, uh, for being very, 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 very uh, hateful towards Jewish people, which he should be. Okay, I love Kanye West or loved Kanye West. I have wrestling gear kind of inspired by Kanye West. He should be, he should have been, he should have been crucified six controversies ago. Okay, I, please do never, ever, ever take my words and twist them because Kanye West deserves to be crucified. I am right there with you. But J.K. Rowling deserves to be crucified just as much. It's not a competition, right? It's not, it's not who has the has it worse. Transphobia is bad. Hating Jewish people for no reason is bad. Being racist is bad. None of that should be allowed. But there is acceptability in some of those. Hell, even being racist ha like half the time is acceptable in, in in modern culture to a certain degree, to a certain extent, to a certain group of people. I say all that to say that it's it's tough because I want to be able to come out and say yes, Fallon Fox is a trailblazer. But are you a trailblazer? when your trail is being covered? Yes, the answer is yes, but it's difficult to talk about. It's, it, it's difficult to talk about in that, uh, for, at least for, for my personal, it's difficult to talk about in that it's it's hard to to find the story sometimes and, exactly. and, to, and to block out the voices that are speaking from a dominant culture perspective that are vilifying um, Fallon and Alana in the way they are. I love following both of them. I love that that we at Outsports have have you know yes. interviewed them multiple times and and featured multiple um, multiple pieces on them. And I enjoy the chance anytime to speak to them. Um, but that's kind of in the name here. You know, that's yeah. we cover that because we recognize the the nature of it and because they are part of our community. And when you look at how the UFC just to just to pick the biggest name out there right now the the main name when it comes to MMA how attitudes towards not not even like looking at the full LGBTQ spectrum but just towards trans identities coming from the very top uh with Dana White there at the company over the over the last number of years like it makes like whenever you have this sort of cult of personality that Dana White has and and the influence that that he has because of that with MMA fans, like you're spreading that that message from the very, very top in, in that way. And it's really, really frustrating to see. 
and especially when you have someone who like doesn't ever tell the truth ever like there is there is multiple threads of people going top 20 times dana white said this will never happen and it happened my main thing in my article that has not been published yet but maybe one day will about whether or not heavier weight divisions are viable dana white early 2011 said they will never be a woman inside an mma cage three months later by strike force three months later announces they're going to be a bantamweight division three months later ronda rousey is named a champion within a year less than a year after saying there'll never be women in his cage there was women fighting in his cage just the thing going back real quick to islam makachev there was the thing where khabib fought mcgregor and after the fight dylan dennis was talking trash to khabib khabib goes on the top of the cage flies like an eagle kicks, tries to kick dylan dennis two people get into the cage uh, and try to beat up McGregor. At the time, people thought that Islam Makachev was one of them. And when asked, Dana said, will Islam Makachev and the other one whose name I'm forgetting, I'm sorry, it's a it's a Dagestani name, I don't remember off the top of my head, will they ever fight in the UFC again? They're both coming off massive wins, they're both coming off streets. No. Khabib says, I'm not going to fight. If they don't fight, they're back in within two years. Islam Makachev, although did not storm the cage, did punch Dylan Dennis in the face during that scrum, is now your lightweight champion. You cannot trust a single thing Dana White says. He's basically Vince McMahon, probably even worse. You can't say that because, you know, what we know about Vince McMahon, what we've all assumed for many years, but we not we know. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I'm not here to make accusations, but all I'm saying is Dana White is up there. He's up there with things. And I'm not trying to, like, burn bridges, like, but you have to call a spade a spade. At the very least, Dana White does not tell the truth. And it sucks when you have someone whose company is the biggest in the sport, lying, not telling the truth, changing their mind every five seconds. And that includes about things like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and NFTs and LGBTQ identities. Yeah. (laughs) You You got that UFC pride shirt? No, I didn't. (laughs) <laughs> it, 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 do they have a UFC prize shirt? They do. They, they do, do have one. Cry. They do have one. Why? My favorite thing. So going back to Alfred real quick. My favorite thing is, and I'm not. This is not to make fun of anyone. I I I put down myself a bunch. So I'm sorry if I ever say anything, make jokes on anyone's expense or behalf, because that's just how my brain works. I'm a very like making jokes, but you know, it's all love. My favorite thing about L-Sports is that every year you guys do uh, the LGBTQ-ness of every, like, finals. You guys do the one for the World Series. And halfway through, it's like, yeah, this company booed a man with long hair, uh, was very homophobic recently. But honestly, they have their own guy with long hair now. So I guess things are getting better. No, <laughs> I hate that we as LGBTQ people have to grasp every, like, straw and... and we shouldn't have to beg major sports companies to give a shit about us, but we do. And I, again, I'm sorry. I probably, I, uh, I just hate it. I hate it. <laughs> no need to apologize to apologize or anything like that. I mean, like, you know, that that's part of the thing is that like, especially like the lived experience of being in this community is that like, 
you know, whenever you have a environment that has not been kind to you and it shows you the smallest inkling of a thing, like you gravitate to it because you want things to get better and you and you see this one thing you can latch on to as like a stepping stone in a way. Like yeah. I, I like it 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 sucks. Don't get me wrong. It sucks that we don't have, you know, just wide adoption of the stuff that we're not seeing like players like uh the the Tampa Bay pitcher who pulled the pride patch off of his jersey because he didn't want to support LGBTQ identities during Pride Night um la uh, earlier this year. Like it sucks that we're not seeing like any real like discipline for that sort of thing happening because we're the, talking about uniform. The defender game. the defender for um uh, one of the NWSL sides uh that like does a shit ton of like Pride Nights Yeehaw but she's like some like super staunch Christian that basically retired because the United the U.S. Women's National Team wouldn't let her play after she refused to not wear uh, the LGBTQ Pride kit like a couple years ago, yeah. and then refused to play the game that they had for their Pride Night this year, and she's still allowed to play, and she's still allowed to just be around. If it's any consolation, she did get released. So oh, good. Well, good. <laughs> Screw her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but glad, yeah, no. I'm glad you got released. But yes, no, but no, you're but you're right though. It's like it sucks that we have to cling on to these like crumbs, so to speak. But um, you know, crumbs turn into bread, crumbs turn into pies eventually, and hopefully that that's the hope that that I think people latch onto there. So I don't know. Well, I think I think I think the main thing for me, and we can move on if you like. But I think the main thing for me is specifically that. LGBTQ has some shitty people in it, right? Our community as a whole has some shitty people in it. There's like a yeah, whole there's movement. No there's community. a whole movement like that's throws away at the T, right? Shitty people. But the fact that we have to bring that up and like every conversation that's like bring, like rising raising up LGBTQ is also kind of have like the disclaimer. But not all of us. When I've never seen a white person or a straight white cis male go. Not all okay. I do say I'm saying not all men, but that's not the point. Okay, that's a different discussion. That's a different <laughs> that whole a, conversation. Yes, that is a different lens. <laughs> you you get my point. It sucks that we have to like self police ourselves because if we allow other people to police us, it's just going to be nothing but homophobia and transphobia. Yeah, they come in with a sledgehammer, it's Cody Rhodes style, and then they're going to make up to it like two years later, right? Right on that gay ass throne. Did you see um... that Instagram post? <laughs> of, him, of him just like talking to the throne my favorite okay i have many negative opinions about cody rhodes i've never met the man i have been around some famous people i've never met the man don't know what he's like as a person the persona he presents me, we're not friends we're we're not cool whatever that you can be the best person in the world cody that's fine your persona that ain't it I am in love with Cody Rhodes simply because he like since he, he consistently does stupid shit like this. You know, you like your your the picture he posted was like him taking this throne on a date. Basically, he was like staring at the throne's eyes, like about to lean in for a kiss or something, like some bad teen rom com for the mid two thousands. What are you doing, Cody Runnels? Why? <laughs> Hey, you know what? It's as weird as it sounds. It is on brand for are Cody, you Cody in a very interesting Frog? way. 
Get one of those, those, those like buttons you had, we had in like 2010 for the Twilight films, Team Cody, Team Throne. There you go. Yeah, marketing. We got to give him something up. to do while he's rehabbing, so we'll we'll get that going. Get well soon. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. Ne- next, Cody, Cody's gonna do the edge thing where like every time you get a hangnail, you have like some big dark uh, character switch and have six vignettes just to come back for one weekend and have a hangnail again. Get well soon. Get 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 well soon. Edge. Yes. Yes. As well. <laughs> look, look, I, I I judge the people I love. Okay. If Edge was in this room right with me right now, I would be making these same jokes. But then I would be like, "You you want to talk about the Maple Leafs? We can talk about the Maple Leafs. I love the Maple Leafs. You like the Maple Leafs? We like the Maple Leafs." There you go. It's about the diversification of conversation. Yeah. We exactly. I can make fun of you, and then we can make fun of our team together. Maple Leafs. <laughs> No one, no one gets to tell me I don't know sadness. I've been a Maple Leafs fan since I was seven. Okay, I know oh, sadness. God, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you're a hockey fan. I'm a huge hockey fan. It's my favorite sport in the world, besides MMA. MMA and hockey are the two things I love. We just talked about hockey earlier. Women's hockey. Um, I love hockey. It's my favorite thing. I know pain, deep, deep pain inside my soul. Also, that organization is terrible. All organizations in NHL are kind of terrible. The chairman is pretty terrible, but isn't that just life, huh? I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Trust me, I know. I know about hockey pain, though. I, I was. I'm from Georgia. I okay. went to Thrasher's games. You a Thrasher's fan? I went to Thrash. I have a Keith Kachuk Thrasher's jersey in Yo, my closet right go. now. All right. So whenever that team was picked up, just picked up and dropped back in Winnipeg. Oh my God! How I did not enter Phillips Arena for a decade <laughs> on principle. <laughs> Because, <laughs> because of that. I was like, nah, as long as these the same ownership group owns the Hawks that, that sold the Thrashers away, I'm not giving them any of my money. I'm not paying for it's anything. It's kind of like a, building. the Supersonics. Yeah, Supersonics is another bad uh, band-aid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Not, especially, it's funny. I moved away from Atlanta to the Pacific Northwest. I keep moving to sad sports towns. Hey, look, 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 look. The Kraken are going to be good. Just give it 10 years, okay? Just give oh, yeah, it 10 no. years. And I say that as, as like, we're just coming off like the Mariners made the postseason for the first time in 21 years. And, and we got the Kraken up there now, and the Trailblazers are, are good somewhat. You know, like, it, it's not like a, it's like a sad area. People love their teams here and that sort of thing. But they keep getting sold away. But they keep, yeah, like stuff just keeps getting stolen. And I don't, I, my heart pours out for, for anyone who had their team just snatched up away. Oh, God. It's so bad. It's so, oh, it hurts the heart so much. It does hurt. It hurts mm. so much. Rest Speaking in peace. Of... Uh, sorry, oh, rest in peace, oh, no. Detroit's women's basketball team. Mm. Yeah. I hated basketball. Uh, I love, uh, what were they even called? The something sp- like car related, probably. Anyways. <laughs> All right, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Um, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. 
A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song from the 666 off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. But speaking of Hurt, though, that's the perfect segue to get back into some wrestling talk here. Because oh, Yeah, this is a wrestling as, interview. As we, oh, it's, hey, it's an interview. It doesn't have qualifiers <laughs> on it. We talk about where the fuck we want on here. It's a wrestling podcast, but we have true. you on. Like we talk, we talk to wrestlers. That's, That's the thing. True. It's not all about wrestling. But since we're, we do have some wrestling stuff to talk about here, let's talk about you and Ziggy Hyam, NLS is for everyone. Look, um, you wanted, you wanted death. Yeah. You got it. You survived yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen like the, I've seen a couple of like the backstage videos of, of you like pre and post match where just the emotion is just so heavy for you, um, around this match and, and, you know, the in-ring post match as well with Ziggy. Talk to me about that and just the match itself for now. Cause I do want to talk to you about like the, what the challenges of promoting were like for you now that we're past that here but yeah talk to me about the significance of that match with Ziggy because it just seemed like something that that you threw all of yourself into Ziggy was my first like big opponent I still haven't fought that many big opponents I mean all my my opponents are big right like I cherish every single match but besides Ziggy Heim I, you, I mean, there's a couple names you can like, okay, yeah, you wrestled down there. Great. I mean, even on indie level, Victor Analog is one of my favorite people in the world. I got to wrestle Victor Analog in a barn burner. At the time we talked last, that was recorded, not released. It's since been released. Um, you should definitely go watch uh, that match, me versus Victor Analog, and then me versus Jack Johnson from the same tournament. But I have done a lot in my career. I haven't really fought that many names. Ziggy Heim was one of the names that I wanted. Uh, and the fun thing, the thing for me was they weren't even my first choice. Like they were always my first choice, but when, when you're promoting, I think you know this by now, cause you do, you ran your own little show. Yeah. It's, it's always a struggle of what you think will be fun and what you think will sell tickets. Mm. And my first choice was let's get Ziggy Heim because I love her and I want to wrestle her. 
but I didn't know if it would sell tickets. That's no, that's no knock on Ziggy Heim. It's just when you have three people in a room, what do you, what are we going to do here? And one of them says Maxi Impale and the other says Edith Surreal. You put those three in a line. It's hard to decipher which one's going to sell more tickets. And so we went for Max. That didn't happen because of monetary issues on our end. We just couldn't afford Max. Max is great. You should all, all pay Max. And then we booked Edith Surreal. It was going to be, we had the graphic made, Edith Surreal versus Coda Holiday. Edith had a conflict of interest, a different show. So we got back to my number one, which was Ziggy Hine. And everything going into that, not knowing what the future was, having my, my life struggles were already starting. I was already starting my, uh, my transition at that point. So I was already feeling some of the physical things, not knowing what was next in my career, knowing that like legitimately I could be a failure as a wrestler. I don't have any popular, I, I don't think of myself too highly as a pro wrestler. I did not deserve to wrestle Ziggy Heim. But going into that match, I was sure as hell going to make the best of that opportunity. This, this was my chance to showcase myself against someone who I highly looked up to. And everything from calling the match to before the match to wrestling the match to after the match was a dream. And sure, you can look at it. You can watch that match back and say maybe it wasn't the most technical match or the best emotional match. But to me, living that match, everything about it was perfect. The crowd reactions, perfect. Look, coming out to the ring to a song that means a lot to me, with my flag draped on my shoulders, with in a building that is historic, with the building in the building that had my first wrestling match ever, just over a year prior, just under a year prior rather, my girlfriend watching me wrestle for the first time, getting to embarrass her by kissing her, she did not enjoy, but I did anyways. <laughs> Everything about that match was everything I needed. I say, there's that video that uh, Unicorns posted. Thank you, Unicorns, you're the best. I love you. I'm definitely gonna put some heap of praise on you and some of the other people when we talk about the show itself. But Unicorns posted the behind the scenes uh, after the match. And I I like to big myself up. I say, I say that my wrestling persona is me turned to 100. That's not necessarily all the way true. I do add things that maybe aren't really me in my personality wise um but and i know some people like when the backstage stuff are like oh you you knew the camera was there i didn't know unicorns were there because i didn't care because i just had one of the best wrestling matches in my fucking life i thought i still think probably top five I got to put Ziggy Heim from a door. My thigh got cut up and bruised pretty badly and it was hurting like a bitch even though the adrenaline was still there. So I had that weird feeling of like not giving a shit about anything but also my leg is like hurting really badly. Uh, Ziggy Heim surprised me by one, no selling my fit, uh, going for a door, Ziggy Heim. How dare you? You could have waited like five seconds. I'm just kidding. I love you. Uh, but uh, if you, watch the, if you watch the thing, she takes the door, I roll her in, I pin her, one, two, three, immediately, give me the microphone. Okay, Ziggy. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Don't hate me, please. I love you so much. Um, but, and then Ziggy does this really amazing speech that I had no idea was going to happen. Um, apparently I was the first person to ever like ask for her as a dream match, which 
come on, people, dream about Ziggy Hyam more. She's fucking amazing. You should dream about Ziggy Hyam more. She's great. Uh, but all of that coming down to one and then having the crowd cheer me as I go out, I don't know, man. It just all dropped to my knees. And that was 1,000% genuine me just saying that's everything I ever wanted because it was. And now if I had that match with Ziggy Hyam, there wouldn't be that emotion. There would be emotion. Be a different emotion. Wanting to one up myself, wanting to prove that just because wrestling is fake and I booked myself to win, which I wasn't happy with, but whatever, because um, I didn't want to win, because I didn't want to people to say that, because I was so young in my career. Um, but it's because I booked myself to win and I gave myself that moment. I want to actually prove that I earned it and deserved it. And that was half of the reason why I wanted to wrestle Max and why I still want to wrestle Max the Impaler because I want to prove that I, even if I don't deserve that, I'm going to give my all, my fucking all. Um, but yeah, that emotion was 1000% real and it was genuine. And I hope you can see that through the screen. Oh, trust me. You could see it. Trust that's me. The, that's the thing I try to do with everything. Um, I, I am a, I am a part-time Twitch streamer on the Pandemonium Institute Twitch channel. I host their Sunday stream for their game, their board game company called Blood on the Clock Tower. It's a social deduction game. Um, and I want everything, even when I'm playing a game, I'm hosting a stream, wrestling, doing my music. I want you to be able to feel it. If you can't, if I make music under the name Love Avery, some song coming up, it's really like, post folky punky my thought process with that is if you can't feel me punching you in the gut then it's not good enough if you can't feel i never want people to say i'm a good liar because i'm fucking not i wear my emotions on my sleeve my girlfriend yells at me all the time because i'm like i'm always just like i always show how i'm feeling and maybe that's not the best way to live life but hell is genuine as shit and i hope you can see that everything i do regardless even as a heel, I hope I, I hope you can tell I'm tapping into some super sinister shit. <laughs> well, no, I mean that's I mean that's, that's the point of art, right? Yeah, like that that so it makes total sense, you know, you know, because however you want to define pro wrestling, it's a mix of art and, and athleticism, you know, and and you can't. I think that's one of the beautiful things about pro wrestling is just how much emotion can enhance a moment in that way or enhance a match as a whole honestly mm -hmm. and so like i think having that sort of focus for yourself is a very very good thing to have uh for pro wrestling i think that you know obviously i think tides are changing a little bit now but like look at the last like 10 uh, 15 years of pro wrestling people just starting out a lot of the time is more focused on the physicality of it as opposed to understanding the emotional aspect of it mm -hmm. and so having that perspective so young in your career i think is a very um astute thing to have for sure, for sure yeah for sure. well let's let's take the wrestler hat off for coda now and let's put on promoter hat Dakota. Um, <laughs> I think I might have just gotten the answer to my first question. Um, <laughs> What's your first question? Oh, no, it's my first question. Like, what was that experience like for Great. you? <laughs> it was the best thing in the world. Yeah. I would do it again, 1000%. Okay. But, but um, you put, you took three friends 
who crowdfunded money, one of them putting more in, from the jump, knowing this, that person, the one who made the call in the first place after someone, not naming names, <clears throat> me, made a joke, and you put three friends, and you said, hey, none of you have any experience doing anything like this. One of you used to do house shows for like 30 people. Here you go, make a wrestling show. And it ended great, amazing. Jack still right now, still to this day is like, never again. I joke that maybe, uh, you know, in the future, more all of us pitching in, all of us taking the burden, knowing what we know, we could make something great. But if we don't, if we never promote a show again, cool, we did something amazing. You can go to IWTV right now and watch a show because it's mainly of some form of minority, LGBTQ, uh, every match I believe has some form of minority. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. It's long as shit. It's too long. We should have pared it down. <laughs> but we weren't all our friends on it. And we ignored everyone. I'm oh, sorry. I ignored everyone. Uh, <laughs> I ignored everyone who told us that we should be too, too short because no, fuck you. I'm doing it my way. <laughs> should we have? Yeah, we should have. But we were young. We were 20. Saban was 23, I think, when we made it to the show. Jazz was 27. I was 24. I wouldn't even turn 25 yet. Um, no, I no, no, I didn't even turn 24 yet. Come 25 now, and it's 2022. No, no, yeah, no, no. Yes, yes. I I didn't turn 25. I was 24 at the time. It feels like it's been three years since I did the show. It's been less than a year. This that was earlier this year, and um, yeah. it feels like it was seven years ago. Um, it wasn't done well, but it was done well because we had people who volunteered themselves. So I cannot thank Mateo Valentine enough. Mateo Valentine was not Mateo Valentine was not asked to do this. They said, "I'm doing this," and they did it. And they took on way much more than they could chew, but they did a great job. And they were stressed all hell, and they wrestled a match, but they did a great job. And the people uh, who helped um, wrestle. And I'm forgetting your wrestling name, but if you're listening to this, you're amazing. I love you. Regan. Regan's her wrestling name. I love her to death. Um, they all helped amazing stuff doing uh, sound and everything else. And wrestling uh, with unicorns and pro wrestling shoots and uh, ring film dude. All these people that came in and helped us. Three nobodies in professional wrestling had a wrestling show where a hundred people, hundred paid people showed up at various points throughout the show. Honestly, probably more. I don't have the details, but at least a hundred people showed up, which is bigger than some indie wrestling shows. Put on a show where every single talent, every referee, every commentator, everyone got paid. Including a commentator we didn't know was going to be there, but we were one commentator down, so they showed up and helped out anyways, and they still got paid, and they did a great job. Thank you, Trevor Outlaw. You can't, you can, you can say a lot of things about me and about my life and my career, and you can call me all names you want, and they'd probably be true. But we did something fucking special. But if I'm being honest, never again. <laughs> I would. If you if you gave me some more tools, sure. Maybe in two years I'll I'll fund one out of my own pocket by myself and just say, hey, let's do it. But n n never, never again. No one should ever let three 
I love you, Jax. I love you, Saban. Three idiots run a wrestling show. But yet we do every single day in every country because that's what indie wrestling is, right? Ah, more I than said I would it like. You. Yeah, I said it not you. It's fine. I... <laughs> no, but like I, I do, I do think that that the three of y'all did accomplish something down there. Like the the show, like you said, it lives on IWTV now. It's it top to bottom, just a great card. Honestly, a lot of fun matches as well. And I told Mateo. I think I told Mateo this after the show aired, but um, I, I appreciated the the shout out on the show as well. Yeah. Uh, that was really, that was really cool to see there. Um, but, but yeah, no, outside of that, um, like, I think that the, I think that the show was a success and it, and, Me too. and a lot of the things that you're talking about really kind of come back to the LGBTQ experience as well. It's just kind of like trying to make, uh, like spectacle out of whatever you can grab onto, you know, like it, it, it's really obviously like with more tools and, and funds. And honestly, now you have more experience with this as well from running a show. Like um, another round, another go at it would definitely be better. But the <laughs> fact that you aren't, that you don't have those those tools available right yeah. now like that it i understand the the drawback and i understand wanting to like wait until those are there for you to to do another we one. we didn't have the tools to do it the first time i personally didn't have the tools to do it the first time this show wouldn't have been a success without jack johnson jack johnson uh helped pay most of the people but he, you know he agreed to it that was at the beginning right like it, it may be the show went over budget maybe everything but you know, and I think the cool thing is we all remain friends. Like I don't talk to Saban nearly as much as I would like, but we both went separate ways in our lives, and I don't wrestle as much as I would like. Me and Jax, we talk to each other every day. We're gonna go. We're gonna go clubbing on Friday when we're recording <laughs> this. Like we're literally going clubbing on Friday. Um, Jax Johnson is my twin. He's my big brother. I love him to death. He's my best friend. Saban forever will be my best friend, no matter if we never talk again ever, because we've we're entangled in each other's lives, and I love him to death. Um. But we didn't have the tools to do it, but we did it anyways. And thankfully, we did a pretty good job at it. We somehow, against all the odds, we did it. And you can't say that for a lot of people. And honestly, I think, well, I'm curious, what is your favorite match that doesn't have the three of us, three of MLS in it? Because I think that you can say seven different matches and they're all correct. Oh, Lord. Um, why is his name escaping me right now? The name is escaped me. Vic Capri. Yep. Vic Capri versus Doom Montgomery. What a banger there on we that go. was. Yes. I'm a look, I'm I'm a I'm a glutton for hardcore shit. All right. It wasn't even hardcore. It, it wasn't, wasn't even hardcore. It wasn't, but it was. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I got to do commentary for that match. And holy sh so so I, I talked to to Doom. I helped him come up with some ideas. To the match. Not, I didn't plan the match, but like there were some things I brought to the table. And I knew the spot, the spot, the big spot. I'm not going to say what it is because you should go watch this match. If you watch nothing else and you like hardcore matches, go watch the completely normal match that is Vic Capri versus Doom Montgomery because it's a banger and there's a spot. And on commentary, I knew it was happening. But even on commentary, I genuinely was, uh, it was so good. The finish of that match was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And Doom Montgomery is less in the, has wrestled uh, 
a shorter time than I have. Drew Montgomery is a fucking beast. Vic Capri is one of the best veterans in the Midwest scene. Put Vic Capri, put more respect on Vic Capri's name. Yes, and I, I also would count the triple threat there as well. I just mm-hmm. I would think of Mateo as part of the crew, honestly. So I was thinking Mateo yep. as part of like that sort of. That's why that wasn't there. Mateo yeah. is a part of the but, crew. Mate, ex- NLS Forever one could not happen without Mateo Valentine. Mate, yeah. uh, Mateo is forever a honorary member of NLS Forever. Yes. Yeah, Mateo and, and Russell killed it, and the but, third person is escaping me at the moment. Uh, I put it on the show, and it's for escaping me. <laughs> hey, like you said, it feels like it's been years. Since yeah, it's, like the the women's triple threat was also a banger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice Crowley, Carly Ray, and Heather Reckless a banger. Hell um, yeah! Joey Mayberry versus Envy Young. Banger. Oh, that my was a lord. Banger. The tag team match was a little bit long, but a banger. Uh the scramble was a bit short, but also a banger. Like every single match. Uh Cam Saturn versus um Davy Bang. Banger. Davy Banger. Um <laughs> I'm mean, you're gonna feel like you're gonna hate me for forgetting matches, but yeah, every match was a banger. If I forgot your match on the show, I'm sorry. I love you. I promise. I booked you on my show. Like, <laughs> to be fair, you're you're talking about a show that had two intermissions because of the length. So like, honestly, there's a lot. That there. was the best idea that we've ever had. That was the <laughs> best idea. We made it like theater. It was, and you know what? The show was less than three hours, so still better than some some wrestling shows. And we had like twelve matches. <laughs> No, I, I definitely give you that. <laughs> Bangers. What would you say is like the most um like poignant lesson for for you coming out of that experience? Like whether it, it you apply it to like running another show at some point or just like continuing in the wrestling business as a wrestler, like what was the the one thing one takeaway that you kind of took with you from running the that one, show? The one takeaway is That's a good question. The one takeaway I can take away from that show, which is redundant, but I said it anyways, <laughs> would probably have to be that even if something is a success, maybe it wasn't the best idea. Mm. That show was great. It will live forever in my heart and on IWTV. Go watch it right now. Give us those pennies. Um, it's like a Spotify ad. Go listen to my music on Spotify. I'm just kidding. I do TV is great. They pay well. They're really good. Um, but you know what? No, 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 no. Better, better takeaway. Just because something doesn't end the way you want it to, doesn't mean you shouldn't have done it the way you did. Mm. Because yes, we should have had a shorter show. Yes. We should have been more uh, picky on who we brought in. Yes, we probably paid people more than they deserved, whatever that means. But just because you can say that, yes, we should have listened to some more vets. Even though we did listen to vets, we had our vets on the show. Acid Jazz and Vic Capri, who are two of my biggest vets. Marche Rocket was main eventing that show. We had all the vets around us. Just because certain vets we didn't listen to doesn't mean we didn't listen to vets. But maybe we should listen to other vets. Maybe we should listen to our trainers when they said certain wrestlers wasn't worth the, the price of admission. Maybe. But just because we should have done that didn't mean, doesn't mean what we did 
is any less discounted. We did the best that we could do, and we did it our way, and it was 1,000% what MLS was supposed to be. MLS is for everyone, was supposed to be a show to celebrate everyone. Everyone who's a little bit hood, a little bit queer, a little bit different, a little bit willing to be themselves. We are MLS, and MLS hasn't tagged together for a while. I haven't been around with Saban for a minute, but we did something cool. And we should have done this and we should have done that, but I don't think it matters because at the end of the day, we learned our lessons, we took our advice, and I would not do anything any different for the first one. For the second one, sure, but if I could go back and change anything about that show, maybe I'd make my pile drivers a little bit better. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'd throw a elevator. I've been throwing elevators recently. So maybe mm. I'd throw a elevator. Maybe that's the one thing I would change. I'd go back and throw a elevator. Sorry, Ziggy. <laughs> Take this elevator. Wow. No, but I think I think you have a very a very good point there. It's just like just because like you you have to do the thing first to learn the lessons from it. Exactly. In a lot of a lot of times, you know, no matter how much advice you have, kind of steering you in the right direction, you're going to make mistakes. And being able to learn from those things and recognize them and not just like kind of hold them in contempt for yourself or for other people like you you have to grow from those things and and to hear you talk that way it really feels like you have that perspective it takes a lot though right like i have thought oh, yeah. something else before i thought of that like I, i'm not no i'm not no good wordist that's for sure um <laughs> i'm just some silly little girl who is 25 but feel like she's 87 and still thinks that 25 is a midlife and has had a midlife crisis <laughs> at 25 that's all i am i can attest like i like i'm 36 now uh when i was 25 definitely felt like a midlife too it's it's all right my, my my favorite thing my favorite joke my favorite dark joke i love jokes i should be a comedian someone come someone let me do a stand-up show um i love jokes but my favorite jokes is pretty dark and i'm sorry but it is it is fine is i will constantly tell my girl or tell my girlfriend that like when i'm 45 hang my rafter hang my jersey up i'm done put me up in the rafter and i'm good to go give me the 15 i'm good if i can get the 60 yeehaw i'm, I'm happy i uh i i have like 20 years is all I want to do wrestling for. I started when I was 23. So when I'm 43, it's over. I don't care if I have one more run in me, brother. I don't care if I just got signed for my first WWE contract. Well, okay. I don't care if I got signed to a big company contract. Both companies have problems, so I'm not going to say either name. But, you know, I don't care if I got signed to a big contract five years ago and I just ended my deal and I have a year left to my dream. So do I sign that contract? No. 43, that's it. 20 years in this business is all I want. Because I never, I've never, I've never looked at life with rose-colored glasses. That just isn't my lot in life. And that's dark as shit, but it's true. And maybe it shouldn't be that way. But I've never, I've never been happy. Wrestling makes me happy. But wrestling sucks. So... MMA makes me happy. MMA fucking sucks. Music makes me happy. I'm shit at it. Like I, I have no, I have no happiness. I have, I have no good feelings. No nostalgia to give you. All I have is my true self. So, forty three, I'm done. Whether I made it or not, that's all I got.
Hang me up in the rafters. I mean, I think the important thing there is like you're able to find happiness in those things despite the the overarching like shitty nature that that these fields present themselves to be at times you know i think that's that's exactly exactly it's a direct parallel life sucks and then you live some more because you have to i mean you don't but like you do right like Mm -hmm. if you don't live some more that's a different conversation that's a different topic that's a different podcast I don't think we're on morbid, so you know. I think this is LGBTQ in the ring, so I guess we'll just say that. <laughs> no, but but at the same time, like you know, like going back to our like talking about finding the the specks of positivity in things. Like, yeah, the more that you can find these things and recognize that there that that there is something there for you. Like, I think that it it makes that the journey and the the struggle with with things easier in a way. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I want to ask you before we before we uh, wrap up here about commentary specifically, because okay. like like you said, you you've had thoughts about wanting to do commentary. You have done commentary, but at NLS is for everyone, and I would argue, as many others have, you know, the MVP of Russell Queerdom, honestly, with was you in the second half just soloing the rest of that show the way that you did on like just unprompted um in the way that, that i would i there. had went through a door t- like five minutes earlier not only that Remember, you had run you had run a, no well you didn't run the whole track but you just done a track meet too yeah i, did, I, I ran the whole track i won i won the track meet <laughs> i Honestly, I won that battle royal. I don't care what anyone says. If you know, if your music plays, you don't come out. You don't. You don't enter the ring. I I won the battle royal. I went through a door. I get off the door. The show is kind of doing things. The the barrier to backstage fell down during intermission. Like just fell down. Like oh. collapsed during yeah. intermission. All of that's happening. That, yeah. So I'm just chilling. I go up, I'm wearing my t-shirt, I'm drinking my water bottle, I'm hurting. You want to do commentary? Sure. You want to do commentary with Cameron Saturn? Absolutely. One match, right? Yeah, one match, no worries, no worries. Two matches, Cameron Saturn leaves. Can I get someone else? Three. Now I'm commentating Venny versus Edith Surreal. Right? What? I got to sit there and talk about two people who I would die to be in a wrestling ring with that I shouldn't be. I commentated an AEW superstar because no one else would. No one else would. So Dakota does it. Dakota does it. Go ahead, Dakota. Have fun. I think, I think the thing that's really been kind of changing my outlook on pro wrestling was that I... I am told that I did an amazing job, that people would love to see more of me. Not one company has reached out. I I haven't reached out to companies, but not one company has reached out. I had a really fun time in that Battle Royal. I think I was not the best, I was a highlight. I didn't know that match was great. Sassy both right, it's a queen. Uh, Joan Jetson's amazing, her flag is to die for. I want one, I want a t-shirt, I want that tattooed on my face. <laughs> If you want me dead, fucking kill me. Right on my nose. Right on the bridge. So you just have to look at it every day. Right on the forehead. If you want me dead, fucking kill me. She's great. Um, Cheryl's great. 
Nick is great. Nick, let me hit throw a throw a uh, uh, what's it called? Um, elevator. So they're amazing. Cam Saturn told me to do the elevator the day before. Literally, uh, so we did back to back. Me, Cam, and Miles, and Kid Bandit rode with us from uh, NFW to Wrestle Queerdom. Um, we did a back to me, me. We all wrestled the day before. Uh, me, Cam, and Miles had a three way. Cameron Saturn did a elevator or told me to do a elevator. So Cam taught me how to do a elevator. Um, you know, uh, opinions and people and things. I'm going to stay out of that. Um, but, you know, could, honestly, I have not been up to date on any drama or anything recently because I haven't been on Twitter. I cut my hair mm. like three weeks ago. No one has seen it because I haven't posted a picture of it. This is the first time. <laughs> That anyone knows I cut my hair. I have a pixie cut now. I look like pink in the mid 2000s. No <laughs> one knows this. But you know, it happens. You will know soon because I have some shows if you don't mind. I'll plug later on. Oh, I have shows sure. coming up. But um, so you'll see that eventually. But you know, I have, like, no one knows my life because I've been out of the spotlight. I don't want it because no one cared about me. That's not true. I'm aware of that. But it feels like that sometimes. I've been training my ass off. I had that amazing ass scramble at NFW. I think I was a really great spot in that in that scramble. No one reached out to me. My normal companies reached out to me. All Hill Wrestling reached out to me. I got a show in Columbus, November fifth, called Drax Drop Kicks and Lipsticks in Columbus or the surrounding area. It's a drag show meets wrestling. I'm in a six man versus the awesome Odyssey with Warhoss and someone else. I'm forgetting your name. I'm sorry. I'm a bad promoter. Um, uh, other than that, other than some music festival in Tampa in November 26th, I'm wrestling for my first show in Florida at a metal show. Like Sick. no one else has reached out to me. That's really dope, right? My yeah. November is amazing. We get to wrestle at a drag show, a skate park, and then a metal concert. <laughs> That's all I'm doing in November. Yeah. It, Cool. That's amazing. That's that three great things. But no one else is no one else reach out to me. I'm not saying I deserve to be. There's a million great wrestlers. I don't think I deserve a spot over anyone in Paradigm or in New Wave Pro or in any company. OW. I don't deserve a spot for them. But if I'm as good as people say I am, then why 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 don't the promoter see that? If the, if the, I had hundreds of notifications saying Coda Holiday was the spotlight. Coda Holiday and her doors was a spotlight. Her commentary was the best. She deserves to be in more places. If I deserve to be more places, then why am I not in more places? Because you don't play the game, because you don't hit on people, because you're not training in all these different things, because you're not going to all these different seminars. I did that. I'm going to do that again. I'm not saying I'm not going to do that. I'm not saying it's not powerful. The Shook the seminar was amazing. Jax Johnson got to wrestle Cornelius Crummels from Shikara. Mm. Fucking amazing. Uh, at, at the first match of um, the Von England's show they did in February for Super Bowl Sunday or whatever. They got to, he got to wrestle that match. Fun fact... At least this is what Shug D told me and what Earl told me, right? Fun fact, 
The only reason I wasn't picked instead of Jax was because Jax has been wrestling longer and me and Crumbles both had colored hair. Hmm. Me and Jax were that, because we're a tag team and we're, we're there, right? Jax is a better wrestler than I am. I think I emote better than Jax does, but we, we, we were like peanut butter and jelly. We were both, this is good shoulder during that seminar that the only reason one got bet, got the spot was because Jax was trained more and I had the same color hair as Crumbles. Jax deserved that spot. I'm not arguing that. I'm not saying that. Jax had a great match. What I'm saying is, I've played the game. I've done the seminars. I still will because I have so much more to grow. But for the once in my life, I stopped speed running things. I slowed down, slowed down a bit. That's been my biggest thing. My, I've had four different careers. I was a famous SoundCloud rapper. I think we talked about this last time. We Not did. famous, but like I toured. I got to go to Buffalo and do shows at a festival. I, I have done so much in my life just because I keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going. For the first time in my life, I slowed down and I stopped playing the game. Nobody gave a shit. We can change that. I'm going to change that. I'm not giving up. I'm not saying, woe is me. I don't want promotions to hit me up after this interview and be like, hey, come do the show. I mean, I do, but not out of pity. I don't want your pity. I'm going to play your game. Don't worry. Just give me a bit. But it really reframed my opinion on wrestling. Because if you listen to you, if you listen to the fans, I deserve more commentary gigs. I don't got them because I don't know the people. I don't know the right people to get those gigs. That'll change. That's okay. That'll change. You'll know my name soon. And if you don't, that's cool too. Because I, I've done something else. Or, or I'm dead. But that's morbid again. So we're going back to the, the, the other podcast. It's not this podcast. But you get what I'm saying. You understand where I'm going here. No, I, I definitely do. And, and, you know, there's so many different fields that, that, really put an emphasis on that continual movement that continue that that rat race sort of ideal um especially when it comes to entertainment i would argue the journalism field is like that as well so welcome to that beast too uh if you're (laughs) trying to get into it um but but at the same time it's i think that you've hit something uh hit on something that is very very key that a lot of people don't think about is like providing yourself with that moment to take that step back to slow things down a little bit and and like realize that that focus that focused point on where you want to go and and all the machinations that you have to put into place to get there they're still going to be there if you take a break from from what you're doing just for your own like for your body's sake for your mind's sake for your emotional state's sake like this is these are lessons i've had to learn for myself too you know i think and i'd argue that there are a number of people in pro wrestling that um you can that can speak to this as well that like sometimes you just have to like step off the highway for a little bit and hang out at the rest stop before getting back on it just to preserve yourself in a way i think the thing the main thing the main thing i take away from all this is the other day last this week i was mid mid breakdown 10 a.m mid mental breakdown scrolling through twitter like you do when you're having a mental breakdown at 10 a.m and all these people who i love you know all these opportunities all these great things and i'm sitting here like 
did I fuck it? Did I fuck my wrestling career over by not by taking the the summer off? I'm 25. I'm so old in the wrestling business. I'm so old. Did I fuck it? Did I fuck myself? And I had to sit back and I had to say this myself. And this doesn't work when you have depression because, like, you know, it, your brain's broken. Like, you can't control that. But the thing that got me out of the spiraling, at the very least, was I have plans to come back with a vengeance. I have footage. I have things that I did really well. So when I come back, everything will be there. Sure, the time will have changed. Sure, I have a shortened more time to get to where I want to be. Sure, everything is a new, it's a new world because people come and people go and that's how wrestling works. But it all will be there. And if it isn't, it wasn't going to be there for me now. I took a break because I had to, because I was at a point where I could not devote myself to this. So I didn't, there was never an opportunity for me to have that moment these months back. I'm paying off debt. Like I didn't have the time. I'm paying off emotional debt, mental debt, not even like real life physical. Like I have burnt myself to the ground and I'm barely built myself back up. So it was never an opportunity. It was never an option of take a break or keep going. It was, that was never the choice. The choice was take a break or take a fucking break. So I took a fucking rake, and if it's nothing, if I come back and there's nothing there for me, I'll rebuild myself again. Put a mask on or something. Call myself like Nico, Nico the Destroyer. No, 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 no. I'll pick, I'll pick, I'll put on a panda mask like I'm from TEW, like I'm Harrison Hash from TEW. Put a panda mask on and call myself Panda Death Machine. It'd be great. That'd be my <laughs> name. I'll be Panda Death Machine if if this whole Coda holiday shit falls away. No one, no one likes me anymore. Thinks I'm old news. I'm gonna, just some old bitty. Put a panda mask on, call myself Panda Death Machine, and I'll be great. No one steal my fucking idea, please. No one steal my <laughs> idea. That's a really great idea. It's a really good idea. So please don't steal it for me, please. <laughs> Next no. year you'll have Dakota Dakota Holiday versus Panda Death Machine. I'll be shitting myself. Like God damn it. <laughs> that was my idea. <laughs> No, but it's it's good to have options. It's good to have that perspective to recognize that for yourself, you know. Because one thing that that will add is like further down the line, should should you continue down the the pro wrestling path for yourself, you'll be better able to recognize without getting to the point where it's like take a fucking break. That okay, maybe I need to take a moment for myself. You know, I burnout sucks. Burnout yeah. fucking sucks. But sometimes. The, the only like sometimes there's a silver lining to it that teaches you when to better recognize whenever you are overexerting yourself. You know, it it sucks that people have to that you people go through it. Um, but hopefully you come out with that on the other side. Um, yeah. If not, I'll just be Panda Death Machine. There you go, Panda Death Machine, twenty twenty three. Panda Death Machine. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. This was a long, this was a long conversation, but thank you for having it with me. At the end of it, at the end of the day, I still have everything I wanted. I got to wrestle Ziggy Heim. I will wrestle Maxine Paler before next year. Yes, I didn't get it this year, but in January I said I wanted to wrestle five people. It was Maxine Paler. It was Aiden von England. It was uh, Ziggy Heim. 
Um, it was Billy Starks and it was Masha Slamovich. I got to wrestle two of that five. That's not good enough for me, but you know, I'll have to do now. Masha Slamovich is a big women's star. Billy Starks is like a 70 year old in an 18 year old's body, just doing everything. <laughs> she's not even 18 yet, right? She's like 17. I she's think she just turned 18, but yeah. She's amazing. She's one of the best in the business. Uh, and Max, it was supposed to be you. And it wasn't, but it was supposed to be. So and I'll get that be. match. I'll prove myself. And if I don't, then I'll just be pen and death machine. Hey, you know what? I I hope you get. I, I I'm I'm gonna manifest it for you now. I we need Kota Holiday, Maxine Paler. We've been teased too much with the idea to not get it at some point. So I cut a promo referencing uh, Awesome Kong losing to Taylor Wilde. Right? Like I deserve this match at this point. <laughs> Where did he hate me, Jersey? Oh, Where'd God. A, Which, by the way, I'm jealous you have that. I have two. God damn I have it. a home and away. I have a home <laughs> and away. He hate me, Jersey. He hate oh. me. He fucking hate me. <laughs> oh, I love that. Someone got yeah. that for me for my birthday. Some Someone, uh, like, I didn't even know who it was for a while, but they they revealed themselves recently. Um, and they just sent me to, because I made a joke. Um, I had a stream on my birthday. And I made you like, I want a he hate me jersey because it's funny. Someone sent me a he hate me jersey. Two of them. Las Vegas Outlaws. Got some good friends. The Rock, please bring back the Outlaws and please bring back he hate me and induct <laughs> he hate me into the XFL Hall of Fame so I can get an official he hate me jersey, please. That'd be great. I'd appreciate yes. that. No, Rod Smart, he hate me. Definitely. First ballot XFL. First ballot XFL Hall of Famer, Rod Smart. 100%. You know who ain't a first ballot? He hate me too. (laughs) Or whatever. I I hate he, or he hate he, or we hate he. (laughs) Any of the the copycats. You don't deserve to be on the ballot because you are not he hate me. (laughs) Coda, it is never a dull moment whenever you stop by the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat about everything going on in your life. I love whenever a conversation, obviously I love talking pro wrestling, but I love when conversations also divert into other interests and just, you get to see a more well-rounded version of, of the people that we watch in the ring so much. So I really appreciate you um, opening up like, like you do on the show and, and also getting to chat a little bit of women's MMA. I don't always get the chance to do that. It's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let everyone know where they can find you online and uh, let everybody know where you're going to be wrestling at metal shows at <laughs> coming Coda up in Holiday. November. Coda Holiday on all social medias, um, even on Facebook. Coda Holiday. Don't friend me on Facebook, you weirdos, but I'm, I'm there. That's my name on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Go to holiday. My Instagram is like sadly small. Go follow me on Instagram. You fucks. Like, come on, what are you doing? I have like four thousand. I have a thousand four hundred followers on Twitter, but like two hundred on Instagram. Fuck you. Go follow me on Instagram. Um, yeah, you can follow me there. Uh, you can watch me stream social deduction board games like a fucking nerd on the Pandemonium Institute Twitch channel. Um, they're a wonderful company. They're one of the best. They're lovely. Uh, Yes, that is the game that Adam Blompier plays on uh, No Rolls Bard. Yes, I'm on a No Rolls Bard video with Adam Blompier. I'm kind of famous, kind of a big deal. 
I'm not. That's a joke. That's a, that's already a big joke. They, I don't think they like me, but it's fine. Some of them like me. I'm actually really close. To, anyway, that's not the point. That's not the point. We're, we're plugging things now. We're plugging things. Uh, November fifth. Uh, hold up. Let me let me get my let me get my promoter bag, shall we? Let me go on yes. Facebook like every promoter. Google the company that I'm working for and find <laughs> the actual things. I don't know how it's out of my heart because I haven't cared about wrestling. Uh, the VOW post in Newark, Ohio on Saturday, November 5th is Drop Kicks and Lipsticks. That's the name of the show. Um, I am wrestling in a six-man tag match with Warhorse against Shaw Mason and the Awesome Odyssey. You should go. You should watch that show. Go to that show in Newark, Ohio. Uh, there's drag queens in between the wrestling. I'm doing the wrestling, not the drag queen stuff. You know, that's not my bag personally. At all heel wrestling um, on a date that I don't remember. Uh, on November 20th in Winthrop Harbor, Illinois at the Starlight Skate uh, Park. I am wrestling a match that's not been announced yet. So I'm going to do a little bit, little bit of sizzle there. Go go follow all her wrestling on all the socials to see my match announcement. And then uh, the metal show that I am going to be wrestling at is called something. It's, it's, present, it's promoted by Jaded Wrestling. They're like a podcast and like they're, they're really, they're cool people, good people, great people. Um, I'm scrolling through my DMs right now to figure out what it's called. It's called the Thanksgiving Unity Fest 2022 with live pro wrestling. November 26, 2022 at the Pegasus Lounge in Tampa, Florida. I'm wrestling in the fucking Pegasus Lounge at a metal show. I am so hyped. Uh, bands such as Head High and Illuminate Me and... I'm gonna be honest, this metal band, so like all the three other logos, I cannot does it say thank you, shank you, scattershot? Is that it's metal logos? Go follow all these bands. Um with other wrestlers that have not been announced yet, so I'm gonna have a little bit more sizzle for you. Those are the only three shows I have booked. December I purposely took off. I'm gonna go visit my girlfriend. But if you would like to bring Code Holiday to a town near you next year, 2023, open availability. Um, book me for any promotion you want to book me in. Uh, I will wrestle at your bar mitzvah. Um, I will wrestle at your uh, granddaughter's bris. I don't know why you have a wrestling event at that event, but you know, if you have one, I'll wrestle it. Um, I will wrestle in a supermarket like I am Booker T in the mid 2000s. I'll, I'll wrestle in your backyard for you and your, your date. Just a one, you and them, me just wrestling someone else. Um, I'll wrestle anywhere, anyone, anything. I'll also wrestle for hundreds and hundreds of fans at your uh, pre-show or your main event if you're going to book me against Maxine Paler. Um, that's me. I'm Coda Holiday. Uh, I exist as a human. I'm also the Mothman, but we don't have time for that discussion. That's okay. That that just means that we got to ring you back a third time. Yeah, I'm Talk the all things Mothman. Yeah, uh, I am the Chicago Mothman. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Exist. <laughs> Book Coda Holiday, damn it. Coda, this has been a blast. Thank, Thank you, you so much for coming on again. <laughs> this has been so stupid. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
cannot thank uh, Coda enough for taking the time to sit down with with me today. Or should I say Panda Death Machine? Who knows? Maybe if you see Panda Death Machine pop up, you might have a clue who's under the mask. Just just throwing that out there. But no, always great to sit down with Coda and, and chat. Like I said in the interview, it's never dull. <laughs> just elevators all day. Elevators all day. Um, that's going to do it for us for today. Not for the week, but for today, because tomorrow, you'll want to make sure to come back tomorrow, we have the return of Killian McMurphy, our gay president, the second gay president following Billy Dixon, Cassandro Cup 2 winner, uh, is going to be facing off against the Cassandro Cup 1 winner, Edith Surreal, in the main event of Primetime Vibes coming up on Sunday. Always fun to sit down with Killian as well. Um, we talked about a number of things, but um, you'll have to come back and, and and hear the show tomorrow to, to find out. Trust me, it's always worth it. It's always worth it. So make sure that you come back tomorrow for that episode. Um, but until then, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible, monkeypox included there as well. And... Um, Test was better. End show. Everybody's ready to die. Bye. Everybody's ready to die. If they didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge, she made a deal with the